Good morning, my brothers, brothers and sisters in the Lord. Once again, it's a joy, a privilege, and an honor for Brother Ian Sinclair and myself to come into your home, perhaps even to your South group, and who knows, even a miracle, into your very church. It's a blessing and an honor for us to share God's holy word with you. Before I minister this morning, I feel in my spirit compelled to share a thought with you. Uh, I believe the Lord has laid it upon my heart, and I believe, who knows, there might just be some of you there that are, are needing this word. It's not a profound word. It's just a simple word that I believe God has spoken to me, and I believe God wants me to convey it to you. And it deals with your vision. It deals with my vision. I firmly believe that it is our purpose that determines our vision. Let me say that again. Take it as a word from the Lord to you. Our purpose determines our vision. Our vision does not in any way bring about our purpose. It's our purpose that brings about the vision. And what we have to discover as the people of God, we have to discover our purpose before we engage in our vision. And I've discovered over the years, through my calling, that my vision is for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, etc., etc. And all that I do centers around that purpose. And when I center around that purpose, I fulfill the vision that God has given me. So take that word into your spirit, muse upon it, and allow God to talk to you. This morning, we're going to continue with the baptism into the spirit. And we're going to expound on the purposes of the baptism into the spirit, bearing in mind once again that the purposes into the baptism into the spirit is totally distinct from the purposes of being baptized into the body of Christ by the Spirit of God. Now, the word purpose, let's just briefly reiterate its meaning. The word purpose means reason for and also the intention. Now, last week we spoke about 12 purposes, but we're only going to deal with two this morning, and that being power and witness. We will deal with witness, uh, rather with power first. Acts 1.8 You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Also, I feel inclined to read Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. A few weeks ago, I ministered on the two kingdoms, and that being the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. I mentioned for there to be a kingdom, there had to be a king. And for the kingdom and king to be in effect, there had to be subjects in the kingdom who were subservient to the king. I further stated that no ordinary subject could expel the king. One king had to expel the other king. Authority had to deal with authority. Power 
had to deal with power. Status had to deal with status. With this in mind, speaking as a Pentecostal minister, I am of the persuasion that no ordinary born-again child of God can dispel the power of darkness. The scripture says distinctly, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We need to be empowered, and therefore our status, our position has to change. We must transition from the mundane level to the spiritual level. Praise God. Through the baptism into the Holy Spirit by Jesus our Lord, our status changes, our position changes. We move from the mundane to the heavenly, from the earthly realm to the spiritual realm. We receive power from on high through the baptism into the Holy Spirit. The same, the self-same power that Jesus had received is the power that you and I have as well. Let's note Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. I want to read that scripture again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. How was Jesus anointed? He was anointed with power. The original word is dunamis, and the Strong's Concordance numbers 1410 and 1441 means force. Literally or figuratively, spirit, spirit, uh, especially miraculous power, usually by implication, a miracle itself, ability, abundance, meaning, might, mightily, mighty, mighty deed, worker of miracles, power, strength, violence, mighty, wonderful work. Oh, praise God. Now note, the same original word dunamis is also found in Acts 1.8. With this in mind, the baptism into the Holy Spirit becomes the entrance into the supernatural for the born-again child of God. Let me put it another way. Power, that is, supernatural power to perform the supernatural. A power that breaks the stranglehold that the devil has over humanity. It is the power of the Spirit that gives us power over the power of darkness. Let me try and explain it this way by giving you an acronym for the word power. Let's go back to school. Class 1. Amen. Sub A as we say in South Africa. Power. Let's spell it P-O-W-E-R. You spell it. Come and spell it now, Ian. P-O-W-E-R. Okay. And here's the acronym. Power over wicked, evil rivalry. Now, rivalry speaks of opposition, 
contention, enmity, and challenge. And what is the contention over for? The spirit born again child of God, baptized into the body of Christ, is empowered by Christ through the baptism into the Holy Spirit to overcome the powers of darkness. That which we are in contention with the powers of darkness for is none other than the souls of men. And to rest God's creation from the powers of darkness, the church needs a power far greater than the powers of darkness. One more important truth about the word power. The baptism into the spirit is the entrance is the entrance into the arsenal of God's spiritual weaponry for the church. And as a Pentecostal minister, I'm of the persuasion that the baptism into the Holy Spirit is the key that unlocks the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And a classic example of this is Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 6. Let's read there very quickly. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, verse 26. Rather, Acts 19. Verse 1 to 6. Oh, I just trust that God is giving you illumination this morning. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him, who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Note verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Notice, as Paul laid hands, they spoke in tongues. This was the evidence of them receiving the baptism into the Holy Spirit. But no sooner than they spoke in other tongues. The Bible says distinctly, with great emphasis, they prophesied. They exercised one of the gifts of the Spirit of God. The Bible speaks of nine gifts. We won't touch on that now. But they received a word from the Lord and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. Hallelujah. And what I'm saying is this. When we receive the baptism into the Spirit, the purpose is to receive power. This power is the key, the entrance into the arsenal of the spiritual weaponry that God has given to the church to overcome the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. Amen. You shall receive power after that the Spirit of God has come upon you. Let me briefly share an experience I had with you, and I think I have shared it before. But I remember years ago, I received a call to pastor a church in Havenside, Chatsworth. And um, it wasn't a very large church, about 60 people, not more than that. 
And um, I remember going there and the church, a fine church, but it was struggling. It needed a, 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 a oomph from God. It needed, really speaking, it needed the power of God. The pastor had moved on, gone to another field, a mighty man of God. But the church, being without a pastor for a, 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 a short time, now some of the other had, had, had lost its oomph, its power, its dynamite. And I, I felt it was essential that I call a, 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 a sort of solemn assembly. And I went about it this way. I um, um, called the church to a Wednesday morning early prayer meeting, 5 a.m. in the morning. And one of the first, the, rather the first Wednesday morning that I went there, I was so despondent, so discouraged. When I got there, it was only four people. And I was so discouraged. But even as we continued praying, even as we, as we together sought the face of the Lord, uh, 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 God spoke to my heart, to my spirit. It never thundered, it never lightning, but you know what, Ian? You know the voice of God. You know when God speaks to your spirit. Amen? And as I worshipped and praised God with this wonderful other four people, the Lord spoke to me and He gave me one word, Ian. Just one word. Power! Power! And as I stood before the Lord, the, the, it, it, it just unveiled itself. Power over wicked, evil rivalry. And the thoughts came straight away. It, 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 just, it just flowed, you know. And the, uh, the thoughts that came was as, as like um, uh, two men uh, in contention over the affections of a young lady. You know, when you're young, you're looking for the girl of your dreams, and when you see her, and you go out of your way to win her heart, but to your dismay, there's another, another brother, another uh, young man, that's also after her affections, and you'll become rivals. You become rivals, and your, your contention is for the heart of this woman. You want to win her over to yourself. You want to secure her as your life's partner. But you know what? That other man has got the same intention. And you become rivalries. So when he buys her a $1 chocolate bar, you buy her a $10 chocolate bar. <laughs> oh boy. When, 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 when he takes her to the cinema, you take it to the theater. The theater. The theater. <laughs> I can't even say it. But you are in contention with each other. And your rivalry concerns the affections that you are seeking for of this lady. So it, it, it is in a sense also a battle. It's a battle. And with that analogy in mind, let me say, this is the contention that we are in. There is the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light, the power of the Spirit of God comes upon us and we are in contention with the devil for who and for what? But for the souls of men. We want to win them over, not to ourselves, but we want to win them over to our Master, to our Lord Jesus Christ. We are rivals to the enemy. We are rivals to Satan and all his demonic horde and all his evil agents that are upon the face of the earth. And thank God 
for us to do this great task, this great responsibility that God has laid not upon our shoulders but upon our spirits. Brother, we need a power that needs to be reckoned with and that power is the power of the Spirit of God because my Bible says it's not by might nor by power and that being the power of man but by the power of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! Glory to God, Ian. Oh, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Remember I told you last week that you saw when you come listen to this teaching, this preaching, you tie yourself down. Amen. So let's move on. The next important uh, purpose is also found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. We dealt with that now. After that the Holy Spirit is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. You shall be witnesses unto me. Now, a quick word study on the word witness using synonyms. Uh, the word witness can mean an observer. Someone that has observed what had taken place. Another word for uh, a witness is a spectator. You know, uh, one that watches the rugby game and all this type of thing, you know, you know it's like watching that, uh, that game when South Africa was, was robbed in the World Cup last year. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> oh boy, never mind. <laughs> but it's to be a spectator, it's to see what had taken place. Then it also means an onlooker. But I think one of the best words, one of the best synonyms that describes the word witness is the word eyewitness. In other words, you were actually there. Ian, you saw with your own two eyes. No one need tell you what had taken place because not only were you there in earshot, but you were also there with your own eyes. You saw exactly what happened. Now, when you do a further uh, 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 word study on it, it also means a testation of fact. An event from personal knowledge, it also means one who testifies. Now, the word attestation is a dynamic word. It means to confirm, to, to attest, to bring validity as such. Now, let us look at the reality of our Christian experience, right? Ian, listen carefully to this one. I'm going to ask ourselves a few questions as Christians. Did we see Jesus walk on water? Yes. Were we there when he turned water into wine? Did we eat of the fish and the bread that Jesus multiplied from a young boy's lunch that fed 5,000 people? Were we there? Actually, you're right. We weren't there, but we read about it in God's Word. That's it. Okay. Now, listen to what I said. A witness is someone that is an observer, a spectator, one that's not only you heard about it, but you know what? You've got to be an eyewitness to be a witness. You have to be there. You have to see for yourself what had taken place. Now, listen to me carefully, church. We were not there. 
And because we are not there, are we perjurous? Are we perjurous? Are we fabricating all this? Yes, we, in the sense, like Ian said, we had heard because we have read the word of God. But in a court of law, if we give attestation to an, an occurrence between two parties and it is proven that we were not at the scene of the occurrence, then I'm sad to say we can be charged with perjury. Now, know what perjury means? Lying under an oath. Fabricating. It means false swearing. To swear doesn't only mean to use bad language, it means to affirm, to confirm. Now, can the world really accuse the Christians, more so the Pentecostal Christians, the born-again Christians, of the act of perjury? Can they say that we cannot truly testify and witness of Jesus Christ? Let us hear what the Word of God says. Let, let's find an answer, uh, Ian. Let's find an answer from the Word of God. Can we be charged with an act of perjury? Let's go to John chapter 16 and verse 13 to 14 and find an answer for all this. Because I wouldn't want to be called a liar. I wouldn't want to be looked upon as a perjurous person. One that wasn't there and speak, you know. We've got to be careful, Ian. We've got to be careful of what we say. Now, let's see what the Word of God says. John 16, verse 13 to 14. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, He shall speak. And He will announce to you things to come. He shall glorify me, for you shall receive of mine and will show it unto you. Oh, glory to God. We are his witnesses. But more than us being the witnesses, so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to us, be, is the, the ultimate witness. We cannot be perjurous for this reason. Listen to the word. We cannot be perjurous for this reason. John 14 verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now, the Spirit of God is in us. Amen. Amen. Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 13, verse 11. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand of what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak, for it is not you that speak, but the Spirit of God. Now, I just trust that you grasp it with all your heart. I've got the scripture here, and sadly, I forgot to write down the reference. 
but I will give it to you next week. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God had given to him that obey him. I want to read it again. Ian's looking for it now. Note carefully, I'm going to read it again and again and again to Brother Ian finds it. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit. Now it says we are his witness. We are his witnesses. And the Spirit of God is also his witness. Whom God has given to them that obey him. Amen. Let's go to John uh, chapter 14 verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with in you and shall be in you. Now, be it that the spirit of God had anointed Jesus and had given Jesus power, and we studied that in Matthew chapter 3, when the spirit of God came upon Jesus in the form of a dove. In his inauguration, his induction as prophet, priest, and king. Amen. Amen. Ian has got the scripture. Where is it found, Ian? Um, second, I hit it. Um, Acts 5, verse 32. Okay, that's it, Ian. I'm gonna, uh, come on, go to your Bibles. This is wonderful. You see why? It's essential that two work together. <laughs> Oh boy, the one strengthens the other, Acts chapter 5, verse 32. I forgot to record it, but thank God Ian is here. My right hand is here. Acts 5, verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. All right? So that night's talking about, it's Peter, the apostle, right? And talking about the other apostles that are uh, the witnesses that handled Jesus, that touched Jesus, that ate with him, that walked with him, that saw everything. We are his eyewitnesses to these things. So also is the Holy Spirit. Look here. He's saying, not only are we the witnesses, but ultimately the Holy Spirit himself is the ultimate witness. I want to read it again. This is exciting again. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, remember, I said that we can be charged with perjury. Because Brother Ian and I were not there. By the way, you also are listening to me and Ian, you were not there as well. So we can be charged with an act of perjury. Liars. Fabricators. Hmm? But listen to me, my brother and my sister. We shall speak as if we were there because the Spirit of God was there and He indwells us. He possesses us. And Mark 13, 11 says, But when they shall lead and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand of what you shall speak, neither do you premeditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Maybe 
Ian and I, and you were not there, my brother and my sister, when Jesus walked on water. Maybe we were not there when he fed the, the 5,000. Maybe we were not there when he opened the eyes of the blind and caused the cripples to walk and to leave. Yes, maybe we were not there, but he that possesses us, he that is within our spirits, he that has made our inner man's to be the temple and the habitation of the Most High God, he was there, and we will speak as if we were there because he the holy ghost will speak through us hallelujah amen you got that ian yes i guess that's what i was meaning when i said yes we were there yeah that's it no that's good ian that's good ian oh by the spirit of god we were there you see the spirit of god indwells us and, and, and the work of the spirit of god people fail to see this ian look here we were not there Right? No, no, don't move it. I'll just move one step in. We were not there. We were here. But look here, because we are baptized in the Spirit, we will speak as if we were there, though we are here, because He, the Holy Spirit, was there and here. He lives within us. Hallelujah. He'll lead and guide us into all truth. He is the ultimate witness. And this is what you're saying, Ian. What I'm saying, you heard. And, and what you hear is good, but you've got to see it as well. Are you with me? And, and the church is talking from a point of hearsay. They're not talking from a point of being an eyewitness. You see, there's a difference of hearing thing and hearing something and carrying it over and repeating and repeating and repeating. You're just hearing. Are you with me? Oh, but praise God when the Holy Ghost... Uh, Falls you and he comes out of you like a river of living water. You will speak as if you were there because he, the Holy Ghost, was there. Oh, glory to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen, my brother and my sister. The last point does now go to the word witness, the, the other purpose that we're going to discuss this morning. Oh, and now we read once again, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Hallelujah. Let's read it from the modern King James Version. No, rather, it's the new King James Version. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Words are powerful, Ian. Hmm? Words are powerful. We spoke on the word witness, but there's another meaning. We, we still, sorry, we're dealing with the same purpose, the second purpose. We dealt with power, we still with witness. And there's one more spiritual thought that I've got to convey to you to wrap this up. When you do a word study that's from the Bible using what is known as the linguistic principle of hermeneutics, the word for witness is the word, the Greek word martyrs, from whence we derive the English word martyr. And you know as well as I know, dear hearers, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, that the word martyr means one who lays down his life on behalf of other people. I like what Jesus said, 
I laid down my life. And we get the thought that no man took his life, he gave his life. Now, people have got to realize, though we believe it with all our heart, though we believe that speaking in tongues is essential, because I'm going to give you many, many more teachings on why we should speak in tongues. But let me say this. The, 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 the intimacy that we have with the Spirit of God through the baptism into the Spirit goes beyond just speaking in tongues. It enables you to do that which you and I cannot do in our own strength. You know, the Bible speaks of making our lives a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Now, uh, maybe I should read that. I, I, I should read that. It, it, it's, it's vital, Ian. It's, it's an important uh, part of the baptism into the Spirit of God that I believe many of us in the church fail to understand or comprehend. Some of us don't even know of it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be confirmed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen? Our whole life is a living sacrifice. I think you just said wrong, one word wrong there. What's you it? said confirmed when it should be conformed. Okay, thank you, brother. Oh, praise God, brother Ian, eh? Uh, we better read it again. My, 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 my correctors before me. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Taking those two verses, our whole life is a life of sacrifice. Amen? It's meant to be a life of sacrifice. Now, what you've got to understand, if you use the scripture and you use the, the Bible as your key, as such, that unlocks truth, um, whenever you present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, and I believe it should be a once, a once and for all sacrifice. Now, when you present yourself as a sacrifice, you empty yourself of self. You lay yourself upon the altar, and God, who is a consuming fire, He consumes the sacrifice. He consumes you as such. It's no more you now. Paul said, it's not I that live anymore. And I want to use Moses as an example in what I'm driving at. You know, um, Moses' life was divided into three, 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 40 year groups. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years in the service of God. Now, he was 40 years, listen to me carefully, 40 years in the wilderness. Listen, for God to take Egypt out of Moses. For God to take Egypt out of Moses. But God did not stop there. It wasn't only God's purpose to put him in the backside of the desert for God to take Egypt out of him. No, more than that, God took him into the backside of the desert to take Moses out of Moses and to put God in Moses. 
And when you present your body as a living sacrifice, God consumes your sacrifice, but God doesn't leave you empty. He fills you with himself. He shreds abroad in your heart his nature, his character, and he possesses you with the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And there are things that we are called to do. Our whole life is a sacrifice. You know, it's just thank God for tongues. Thank God for speaking in tongues. Oh, I love it. I speak oh, the whole day in tongues. Even while I'm at work, I speak in tongues. When I speak to people and I'm counseling, while I'm speaking in the vernacular, my mind is praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is vital. But let me say, it's more than praying in tongues. It is an empowerment to lay your life down as a martyr. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to deal with this further on, but just briefly, I want to whet your appetite. You know when Jesus broke bread, and Paul had a, a wonderful revelation of the communion table. And I feel that most of the church, I would say 90%, even more of the church, have not received this revelation as yet. And you need the Holy Spirit to illuminate this revelation that the Lord gave Paul. Paul said, do this in remembrance of me. He quoted the words of the Lord twice, Paul, the apostle. As Jesus broke the bread and poured out the wine, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this, do what? Uh, uh, come every Sunday morning and put on a special suit and a special tie and stand around a table and, and, and recite this uh, uh, word for word? Yes, partly. But you know the ultimate truth, what Jesus was saying, and Paul got this revelation. No wonder he was a martyr. No wonder the early apostles were martyrs. They understood what do this in remembrance of me meant. Jesus was saying, as I gave my life, as I give my body as a loving sacrifice to secure the salvation of men, you do likewise. You give your life for the brethren. As I shed my blood, you shed your blood. You make your life a loving sacrifice for the kingdom of God. No wonder Paul said, it's not I that live. But Christ that lives in me. But Christ that lives within me. You know, when Stephen died and he cried, Father, lay not this sin against their charge. His blood ran into the ground. And my Bible says, though they are dead, yet they speak. That young man that held the clothing of those that were stoning Stephen to death, that was none other Saul of Tarsus who became Paul the preacher. Saul the, the persecutor became Paul the preacher. Why? Because there's life in the blood not only of Jesus Christ, but there's life in the blood of a martyr. And God, God has called every born again, Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, Christian, to live a life of sacrifice. I want to read one more scripture and then I'm going to close. It's found in 1 John 3.16. I'll give you time to look it up. I've got it in. But I want, want those who are listening to this video to find the scripture. Now notice it's 1 John 3.16. You know the famous John 3.16? For God so loved the world. Now this is 1 John 3.16. It says this. 
hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren <laughs> I want to read it twice more two more times hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren for the brethren do this in remembrance of me oh my brother and my sister do you know what it is to be a witness it's to speak as if you were there although you were not there it's to stand before humanity empowered by God and you can reiterate the words of Christ no man takes my life I give my life for the cause of the gospel you know, I heard something last week on Shine TV, Ian. Uh, maybe it was Daystar, I'm not too sure. But you know, Ian, there are more Christians being martyred in our day than Christians being martyred from the beginning of the church right till this day. More Christians are being killed now than ever before. So in other words, I'm saying from the beginning of the church right till now, so many have been martyred. But in our day and age, more Christians are being martyred than ever before. Now listen to me. Listen to me, church. Listen to me, Ian. When the blood of the martyrs begin to flow. When the blood of the martyrs begin to flow. Get ready for revival. Get ready for revival. For though they are dead, yet they will speak. Let me teach you what the word of God has taught me. The very ones who, become, who are our persecutors. When we, the church, give our life willingly and don't let people take our life, then those persecutors become preachers. Who held the clothing of those that were stoning Stephen to death? Who took, even when you have a race, you know, four or three people, there's a bat, bat, bat what they call a baton, that it's passed over. You know what? I had the strange feeling in my heart that Stephen looked at Paul and he stretched with the baton towards Saul. Maybe, maybe he never grabbed it that day. But after Jesus appeared to him on the road to, to Damascus, he crossed the baton. So let me close this morning. Don't you forget the two purposes that we spoke on this morning. First and foremost, power. Secondly, being a true witness. Let's stand together. We're going to pronounce the benediction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. 
The Lord caused his face to shine upon you. The Lord empower you with the Spirit of God. The Lord give you the understanding that you are not called to live for yourself. But even as Christ had given his life to the church, so ought we to give our life to the brethren. God bless you. Thank you, Ian, for your input this morning. See you next week. God bless you. Amen.